And for our scripture reading, we'll turn to the gospel according to Luke again. Luke uh, chapter 11 and chapter 12. And this time we'll begin reading in Luke 11, beginning by verse 9 through verse 26. And then we'll read the first 12 verses of chapter 12 again. So Luke chapter 11, beginning at verse 9, reading through verse 26. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. If a son asks for bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? And he was casting out a demon, and it was mute. So it was when the demon had gone out that the mute spoke, and the multitudes marveled. But some of them said, He cast out demons by Beelzebub, the ruler of the demons. Others, testing him, sought from him a sign from heaven. But he, knowing their thoughts, said to them, Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation. And a house divided against a house falls. If Satan also is divided against himself, how will his kingdom stand? Because you say, I cast out demons by Beelzebub. And if I cast out demons by Beelzebub, by whom do your sons cast them out? Therefore they will be your judges. But if I cast out demons with the finger of God, surely the kingdom of God has come upon you. When a strong man, fully armed, guards his own palace... His goods are in peace. But when a stronger than he comes upon him and overcomes him, he takes from him all his armor in which he trusted and divides his spoils. He who is not with me is against me, and he who does not gather with me scatters. And when an unclean spirit goes out of a man, he goes through dry places seeking rest, and finding none, he says, I will return to my house from which I came. And when he comes, he finds it swept and put in order. And then he goes and takes with him seven other spirits more wicked than himself, and they enter and dwell there. And the last state of that man is worse than the first. And now moving again to chapter 12 at verse 1. Luke 12, uh, verse 1. In the meantime, when an innumerable multitude of people had gathered together, So that they trampled one another, he began to say to his disciples, first of all, Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. For there is nothing covered that will not be revealed, nor hidden that will not be known. Therefore, whatever you have spoken in the dark will be heard in the light, and what you have spoken in the ear in inner rooms will be proclaimed on the housetops. And I say to you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body. And after that, have no more that they can do. But I will show you whom you should fear. Fear him who, after he has killed, has power to cast into hell. 
Yes, I say to you, fear him. Are not five sparrows sold for two copper coins? And not one of them is forgotten before God? But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Do not fear, therefore. You are of more value than many sparrows. Also I say to you, whoever confesses me before men, him the Son of Man also will confess before the angels of God. But he who denies me before men will be, de- be denied before the angels of God. And anyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man, it will be forgiven him. But to him who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit, it will not be forgiven. Now when they bring you to the synagogues and magistrates and authorities, do not worry about how or what you should answer or what you should say. For the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. This far, our scripture reading for this afternoon. Dear congregation, this morning we began considering the first part of how we must respond in in times of opposition as followers of Christ. And then Jesus began warning us first of all of, of the sin of hypocrisy. He says, beware of hypocrisy. Beware of any, any false ideas in our hearts, and thinking that we are followers of Christ if our heart is not right with God. But also beware of the hypocrites, as he's pointing out, the Pharisees at that time who would persecute him and his people. Beware of those who would oppose you in this life. But then Jesus also showed that you must not fear them even if they kill the body. Because we ultimately must fear God alone. And if we fear God, we need not be afraid. And as David also said in the psalm that we, we just sang, Psalm 118, verse 6, he says, The Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? But now here, Jesus, he goes on to give further instruction to his disciples on how we are to respond correctly in, in times of opposition. And it's especially because when we find ourselves in these kind of situations, in these trials, we can, we can wonder, where is God? And why are these things happening? And we want to get ourselves out of these situations as fast as possible. That's a natural reaction. And because that's our natural reaction, and because we have fear of these situations, we, are, we can be tempted to, to respond in, in hypocritical ways, to, to comply with whatever is being demanded, or to, or to save ourselves. But instead we are, we are commanded to rely on God alone, and God completely, for help in these times of need. God often uses those situations as opportunities to proclaim His name in places where otherwise it would not be heard. And as we've read also, God gives His Holy Spirit for those instances, for those times that that His name would be proclaimed. We can read in the books of Acts how, how it was through persecution that the apostles were scattered abroad throughout all the country and and how they then began to preach the gospel everywhere that they went. We can read of Paul also, how he was brought to different 
authorities, and everywhere he went, he proclaimed the gospel. Even in Rome, where later it mentions of, of soldiers, Roman soldiers even being saved. And so this afternoon, we want to continue with the theme we started this morning, uh, responding faithfully to opposition, and specifically then for the sake of Christ. So this morning, we, we had the two thoughts that we must sincerely obey God who searches our hearts, and that we must reverently fear God as our ultimate judge. And this afternoon, we begin in the first thought of courageously, we must courageously trust God as your sovereign Father. The next question that we are to, that we, that we face when we, we face opposition in this world is when we think of what man can do to us, we must also believe and trust that God is sovereignly in control of everything that happens in our life, everything that happens to us. Because often, as we mentioned earlier, that we can be tempted to compromise in difficult situations. We, we might compromise our faith or, or to try to find an easier way out. But when we can see and believe that, that God is our sovereign Father and that nothing can happen outside of His heavenly will, then we also learn in a way to submit to the things that do enter into our lives outside of our control. And so that's why Jesus says here in the middle of verse 7, as we'll pick up our text here in verse 7, Do not fear, therefore. And why does Jesus then say this here? He's saying this because He wants you to know that you have an eternal value in the sight of God. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of His saints, it says in Psalm 116. He protects His people as the apple of His eye. As the most sensitive part of His body, He, he protects His people. And if you can think, if you remember of Saul, when he was traveling to Damascus, ready to persecute the Christians in Damascus, and the Lord stopped him, what did he ask Saul? He said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? He, he is showing that when, when they persecute God's people, you are touching Christ. It is, you are touching the body of Christ. You are, you are attacking the Lord Himself. And so it's not a small thing when, when God allows His people in this world to suffer persecution and opposition. And that's why he says in, in verse 4, that's what he said in verse 4, Do not fear those who kill the body, because you belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. And he's saying, remain faithful to the Lord. And that is always the main point in, in this. For he said, blessed are those who suffer for righteousness' sake. It's when we suffer for the sake of the Lord Jesus Christ that it is commendable before God. Peter says, what good is it if you suffer for evil doing? But when you suffer for good and take it patiently, it is commendable before God. And so to trust God and not to fear, we must also recognize who He is, that He is the tender Father and a, and a sovereign ruler over everything in our life. 
He is, he is sovereign over every detail in our life. It, it says in, the, in this text that every hair is numbered. Not a hair can fall to the ground outside of His heavenly will. And He says that even the sparrows, even though they're considered of little value in those days, and they, they sell a number of them for, for a few coins, He says not one of them is forgotten by our Father in heaven. They're traded for a price. But he, Jesus says, you are of much more value than many sparrows. And so God, the tender Father and sovereign ruler, governs what happens to every one of His creatures in this world. Certainly He would care for His people who have been bought through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, His own Son. And so Jesus says this, so that we can face trials knowing that God cares for you more than the many creatures He has in this world. And He means to say then never lose courage, never lose hope, but remain faithful no matter what you face, no matter how severe it comes. Endure with patience knowing that one day you'll stand before the God, your heavenly judge, as we saw this morning. And that every hair that does perish off our head is counted by the Lord. And it would also be a testimony to you if it, was, if it fell through persecution. It will be a, a witness to you before His throne. It's never for nothing that His people suffer hardships and opposition in this world. Why have Christians been dragged before authorities and magistrates? Why has Richard Wormbrand had to spend 14 years in prison or John Bunyan 12 years? Why have so many Christians been martyred? None of them wanted to turn back to this world. None of them could deny Christ. But rather in the midst of it, they, they proclaimed His name to their persecutors. And God used them mightily. And they still speak to us today. And Hebrews says the world is not worthy of of them. The world's not worthy to have them in this world, but they remained faithful to their Lord throughout. And so we also, even though we don't face a direct opposition right now, we are to, to help the body, the church of Christ. Because on the opposite side, Christ also said, if you have done it to the least one of these, you have done it to me. So we're called to be faithful and diligent in helping especially those who suffer, especially those who are persecuted for the sake of Christ. And we do it to Christ Himself. And so even if it seems insignificant, maybe a meal or a hug or a compliment, maybe an encouragement or even a correction if people are straying, we are to forgive one another as God for the sake of Christ has forgiven you. We are to pray for those who are being persecuted. Pray that God's Word may be proclaimed also at times like today in our own country. And we do all that trusting that God is the Sovereign Father and that these circumstances also serve as a test of our faith. Will we then also be able to repay that evil with good, with patience, and with love? 
What does our heart then show, as we asked this morning, what does our heart show when we are faced with these circumstances? What does it show about how we view God and what we think about God? Can we confess Him? Can we confess Christ even in the midst of opposition? Because it's for that very confession that many people have been brought to... Many, for, that, for that confession, many people have given their lives. And so it can be easy to, to maybe hide in the shadows and to, to cower away from any kind of, any kind of opposition, but it's when that, when that curtain is lifted and when that light begins to shine on us directly that, that we can fear that fear, feel that fear rising, that fear that prevents us from standing and for what we confess and believe, just like Peter did in front of that maid. But we must. We must hold the truth in sincerity. We must see God as our judge, and we must trust in Him as the sovereign God who reigns and who rules over all. But then secondly, we must boldly confess Christ as our Lord and Savior. We must confess Him as our Lord in this, in this world, even and especially when we are opposed. Even though it is difficult. He says in verse 8, Also I say to you, whoever confesses me before men, him, the Son of Man, also will confess before the angels of God. But he who denies me before men will be denied before the angels of God. How will you stand before the judgment seat of God? We know that the only way we can stand before God is in and through the righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ. Those who confess and learn to confess Christ in this world, Christ will confess them before His Father in heaven. He will stand there as your advocate in your defense. For those who deny Christ, it says, will be denied in heaven. That means they'll be disowned by Christ. And he will have to say, I never knew you. Depart from me. And that's why it's so important that we must learn to confess and submit to Christ here in this world to obey God rather than man. And when we do that, we must recognize that Christ said that we we are not above our master. That we're not to expect any better treatment than our master received, which in this world, he said, you shall suffer persecution, you shall be hated of all men. If they persecuted Christ, they will also persecute us. And it is for the purpose, he said in Acts 1, that you shall be witnesses unto me, unto the ends of the earth. And so it is exactly at these critical moments in the times of pressure, in the times of opposition, that we are called specifically to confess Christ before the world. That's why these, these Christians are hauled before the magistrates and, and the judges. That's why the believers, believers are scattered throughout the world through various persecutions, so that they can preach the name of Christ around the world. We're called to confess His name, not only here in the church, not only publicly in the, in, the, in the safety of the church, but also in everyday life, wherever we go. We've been named with the name of Christ. We've been 
baptized in the name of the triune God. And in Romans 10 it says, If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And so it's with our mouth and with our life that we confess him. But on the, on, the, on the other hand, it's also with our words or even with our silence that we can deny Him. And we can pretend to be religious. But if in at all we deny Him, we are nothing more than what He said this morning, hypocrites. He said, beware of hypocrisy. And so we're called to confess His name before this dying world. And that was the secret of Moses that and he said he endured as seeing him who was invisible. And it was this confession that allowed the three brothers in Bab- or the three friends in Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, to, to stand before the king and to stand before the threat of the fiery furnace, rather than deny the living God. And it's through this name and this confession that others also are brought to salvation. All the exposure that we see now in the the preaching of the gospel in Canada because of the, the various protests that are happening is also causing people to seek for God. All the events that are happening and the actions of our own government are providing opportunities for the gospel to be brought into these places where, where otherwise there would be no preaching. People have been asked to, to preach and, and, they, and they testify that the crowds are becoming, becoming more receptive to hearing the gospel. They see that there is a need in our nation. They're being more attentive when, when the preachers are preaching there in, in, in Ottawa. And so, it is so that the name of Christ may be proclaimed in the world, even if it is through, through means as we see today. But more personally, more personally, we each confess Christ so that you can be presented before the judge of heaven and earth without spot and without wrinkle on that last day. That you can stand there without guilt and without shame. And that's why he says denying Christ in this world may be easier for the moment. It might take the pressure off for the time being. Even staying quiet allows us to continue living our our lives in in relative peace a little longer. But Paul said that the sufferings of this world are are, are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in in us in the last times. Our flesh and our hearts only want to return to the ease and pleasures of this world and the things that we like the most. So we can examine ourselves, what does our heart seek for? Where do we want to run to? What's more important to us than Christ? Even, even today, what, what does our heart long for? Do we wish church was over? Do we wish Sunday was over so we can continue on with our life and, and the things of this world? In Hebrews 11, it says the believers, they, they could have returned to this world. They could have returned to the pleasures, but they loved God more than the pleasures of this dying world. 
By faith Moses forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. And so Christ here, he calls us to stand for the truth of the word of God. And it's also baptized members who have not yet made confession. They can also deny Christ with their lives and actions. If you live apart from God, if you choose to leave instead of joining, then confessing with the church. If we if we live and leave the congregation that we, do, we confess that we do not want to be, uh, belong to Christ. But here Jesus says that even these sins can be forgiven. And often it is true, especially young people with the pressure of peers, they, they can wonder what, it's, what it all means. Do, do, we, do we really trust in God? And so easily it's, you can easily be persuaded by, the, by your peers to, to, deny, to deny Christ or to, to live contrary to His will in this life. Never, never deny the Lord Jesus Christ. Never, never go against your conscience. It will hurt you, hurt you severely. And in the end, you'll be disowned of Christ Himself. But Jesus says even this can be forgiven. And He shows how the thief on the cross, even at the last moments of his life he he believed on the lord jesus christ and he was he 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 was he was forgiven for his blasphemy jesus warned the disciples about the hypocrisy of the pharisees because they not only denied christ but they also blasphemed the holy spirit verse 12 it says Verse 10, sorry. And anyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven him. But to him who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit, it will not be forgiven. Now, what does that mean? Well, that's what we read earlier in Luke 11 here. The opponents of the Lord Jesus, they, they had been ascribing to Satan what the Lord was doing, what the Holy Spirit was doing through Christ in casting out, out the devils, all the signs and the wonders that He was doing and, and, and His preaching. They heard Christ speak and they, they knew it was convicting them of sin and they knew they could find no fault in the Lord Jesus. But out of spite and because of the conviction, because of that Lord Jesus' teaching was confronting them and accusing them, they ascribed to Satan what, what the Lord Jesus was doing what they knew was from God. That a sin against the Holy Spirit is, is when you're ascribing to Satan that which is obviously from God. And he says there's no forgiveness for that sin. Now we all need repentance to be forgiven. But instead of repenting, these Pharisees, they blasphemed and they hardened their hearts. And they... In so doing, they resisted the only way to repentance. They made up their mind not to listen to the Lord Jesus and not to listen to any promptings of the Holy Spirit, not to listen to any of their conscience that was convicting them of their sin. And they refused to come to the Lord Jesus for forgiveness. 
And this doesn't happen all at once, but he, it's, it's a gradual process of sinning against her conscience, of, of, of quieting the Spirit as it, as it convicts us of sin. It is of grieving the Spirit. And if we do not repent, we resist the Holy Spirit, which leads to the hardening of our hearts. And that's why we sang in Psalm 95, Do not harden your hearts. Because then the Holy Spirit no longer will work in our hearts. And that hypocrisy then will lead to death, where Christ will finally deny His people, or, or deny those who denied Him on that last day. Keeping, our, keeping lies in our hearts, it will harden our hearts and sin against the Holy Spirit. So He says, beware of hypocrisy as we heard this morning. So if we know if we're living in any known sin, contrary to the law of God, we must repent and we must confess it now. Do not quench the Holy Spirit. But if we fear committing this sin, if we fear sinning against the Holy Spirit, those who truly desire repentance, those who desire faith and, and salvation from Christ are, are not guilty of this. We still desire that work of the Spirit. We still need His grace and faith. And also people who already have the Spirit of Christ, who are saved, they cannot blaspheme the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit cannot leave them. Even though by our sins we can still grieve Him. And so Christ calls us to to boldly confess Him as our Lord and Savior. So what, what fear do we have when we think of, of facing opposition in this world? We can think, well, who am I? And, and what can I say? Well, I'm just a farmer. I'm just a carpenter. I'm just... But Jesus Himself was also a carpenter. Jesus Himself had the Spirit given to Him without measure. He also needed to learn and to walk in this world, and, and so do each one of us. But He confessed His Father in heaven, and He was crucified for, for what His testimony was on earth. And for that confession, many Christians have, have had their body killed, but their souls delivered to be in the presence of the living God. But that also takes us then to our, our last point that Christ gives. He says, do not fear, because He will also give His Holy Spirit. And so our third, our last point is, calmly depend on the Holy Spirit as your teacher. Verse 11 says, Now when they bring you to the synagogues and the magistrates and authorities, do not worry about how or what you should answer or what you should say. And so Jesus, again, he encourages his disciples and, and every Christian, and, and he says, do not worry, that is, do not be anxious about what you need to say. It does seem inevitable that some will have to face this. In one way or other, every Christian will have to face this. In some form, we face trials or opposition. But why must we not worry about it? He says in verse 12, For the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. 
You don't have the words to speak. You can never prepare for those, those moments of intense fear and, and, and dread and, and uncertainty. But God here, He promises to give His Holy Spirit to help in those moments. This morning I mentioned of that, that 15-year-old boy who was, who was killed by the, by the Romans when they, they, they wanted him to a sacrifice and to give offerings to their gods. And he himself questions how is that possible. But when it came to it, he was able to stand and say, no, I cannot deny Christ. And they, they hung him upside down and still he, he could confess the name of Christ. And then they, they threw scalding water on him and he could not deny his Savior and until they, they brought him to his death. But Christ says he'll give his Holy Spirit so that you can boldly confess the Lord Jesus Christ just like Stephen did when he was faced with that angry mob of persecutors who were stoning him. Stephen was able to look up into heaven and to calmly see his Lord there. And he's able to boldly confront the people as they are in front of him and said, you stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit. His fear was removed in that moment. The Holy Spirit had given him grace to stand and to speak. And Peter, who also had denied his Lord in front of a maid before, after he received the Spirit, he was able to preach boldly. And he, he, he said there to the crowd, You have crucified Christ. And later when he was in prison and brought before the rulers or before the magistrates, he could say we have to obey God rather than man. Jesus says the same Holy Spirit is given to you to give you boldness to speak when you are brought into these circumstances, even if it is before, before the synagogues, before the magistrates, before the rulers or the judges who oppose Christ. It's not like He gives us a script months or beforehand of what we are to say. It does not say that we need to memorize certain answers. But we must study His Word. We must memorize the Scriptures. We must learn about His Word. And the Holy Spirit says He also brings it to our memory to know what to speak. The disciples, they were unlearned fishermen. But God gave them power to bring the Gospel to the ends of the earth. And as we read in Luke 11, verse 13, He says, How much more will your Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him. We are all called to confess Christ and we are told, even commanded by Christ, not to fear, but to trust in Him. Not to be anxious, but to depend on Him. And the Spirit of God will also bring to your minds what to speak in those moments, to confess Him before men, before peers, before classmates, in work, or before authorities. And that's how the truth will be proclaimed from the housetops. It's especially at those situations where that the world can witness that God cares for His people more than many sparrows. That is when the truth will be revealed and hypocrisy exposed. It's the martyrs and the Christians like, that we read about like Martin Luther, who, who stood before his accuser and said, I can do no other, so help me God. 
He knew he could not sin against his conscience or against the Word of God. It is those who stood the test, whose, whose record is now recorded for us that we can, we can learn from. Well, Jesus had begun in this, these verses. He began by saying, Beware of hypocrisy and, and fear God alone and trust in Him at all times. And this is critical for us because it is through Christ alone that we'll be able to stand before the judge of heaven and earth. It is through Christ alone that He becomes our heavenly Father who cares for us more than many sparrows. It is through Christ alone that we receive that Holy Spirit by which He gives you the grace to speak and to stand in times of trial. And so we are called to confess Christ before men so that many others also may hear of the Lord Jesus Christ and that you also can be used for His glory in this earth. Amen.